Talk Radio, giving you the tools to guide you on your spiritual or metaphysical journey. I'm your host, Dr. Candace Nadine Green. Welcome to Thought Thursday here on Awakened Path Radio. As always, you can check for updates and a lot of information on all things Awakened Path by visiting www.awakenedpathonline.com. Again, that's www.awakenedpathonline.com. And if you like the episodes that you're listening to, please subscribe to our channel here on Podbean. Today's special, uh, today's in, uh, guest is Asia Shale, and in search for happiness, which seemed so elusive to her, Asia embarked on a journey in 1989, which led her not only to the awareness that she had been deeply traumatized and abused as a child, but also to the reawakening that there is much more to experience than the five physical senses. After many years of studying metaphysics and transforming her life, Asia has emerged with her own synthesis of spiritual insight, gifts, and skills. She now offers the wisdom and expertise that she has gained through her journey to help others accelerate their own transformation. Although she is certified as a holistic coach and Reiki master, her natural abilities lie beyond the realm of those designations. Her passion is to push the limitations of the human experience into the stratosphere of the highest spiritual perception and the highest spiritual experience possible. Asia is an evolution advancer. Well, it's so great to have you on the show again. Asia, welcome. Thank you, Candace. I really appreciate being here. It's nice to be back with you and your listeners again. And we enjoy having you. Now, we talked a little bit about last time about your wisdom, the wisdom and expertise that you gained throughout your, your journey. Could you just refresh our memories and tell us what did you learn throughout this process to the work that you're currently doing today? Well, I started looking for happiness and not knowing what that was, except knowing that I wasn't happy. And to make a long story short, I came to understand that there's very much more to life that is not actually seen by our physical eyes. There's a very real spiritual component that works within us and is a part of us. And when we rely on that, we can really experience life the way we want to. We can direct our own energy and we can create the happiness that we want by changing our thoughts and feelings based on our belief system. Now, um, when you first shared, how did you share, first share this information with others that you, that you learned and what was their reaction to it? It took me quite a while to get to the base of what my real problems were, the trauma in my childhood. And once I did a lot of the healing work around that, I began to understand that 
others who were listening to me were being benefited by what I was sharing and by reaching out to others, I was actually creating a vortex wherein other people could also heal from wounding, which not exactly like my own, was still maybe troublesome, troublesome to them. So it became a process of sharing what I've learned and realizing one day that I really wanted to write a book about my experiences. The book is not only to provide information as a guideline to others who are working on their own journey, but the book that I wrote has actually anchored in the healing that I did in my own family of origin. I changed the energy, the signature of the family, and my book helps to anchor that in because my book uncovers the secrets of abuse that were going on. Now, not many people uh, who may not have heard our other interviews. So could you tell us a little bit about the book, the title, and what can our readers, our listeners expect to read when they uh, look into your book? Well, first of all, let me state that this is not a bedtime story. (laughs) (laughs) I would not suggest taking it to bed. I am a survivor of physical mental, emotional, spiritual, sexual, incest, and satanic ritual abuse. So it pretty much covers the gauntlet. I can't think of anything else I could have experienced that I haven't already gone through. So what my book is about, I started very early with my early years, beginning like in the early years of school, and just kind of walking through the process of how I got to the discovery of the abuse. It was all repressed in my subconscious mind, which of course was causing my lack of happiness in my life. So what readers can gain is seeing what I've done step by step in my life and maybe using that as a guideline to take steps in their own life to free themselves from things that are troubling them, wounding that maybe they haven't yet addressed. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. It does. Now, you mentioned just now, you said satanic abuse. Not many people have heard of satan. I mean, they've heard of satanic rituals and things like that, but what is, what's satanic abuse? I mean, I'm not to get, um, if I'm making you feel uncomfortable, let me know. Um, but what, what is that in, what, in regards to how, what happened to you? Satanic ritual abuse in my family, it was on my dad's side of the family, and I think that it was passed down for generations and generations and generations. It was for them a belief system. It took me a very long time to understand that and grasp that. Satanic ritual abuse is when people believe that they gain their power, their strength, by this is pretty graphics, mm-hmm. but to be honest, they sacrifice human lives and animals and they consume the blood and the flesh. And they believe that by ingesting that, they are gaining their power. Most of us focus on a higher power, which we call God, source, whatever. And that's where we gain our strength and that's who we go to for our help. But the satanic abuse, the rituals, is completely the opposite of that. So once I learned that that was their belief system, I could stop judging that 
and see it from a different perspective and gain my healing from it. Now, how young were you when uh, this, this satanic ritual abuse was going on? I'm thinking that it started probably when I was a baby. They would have taken me to the rituals. Mm-hmm. And so it was, it's just been, it was indoctrinated into my psyche at a very, very early age. Mm-hmm. And, and I, there was a part of me, I'm, I'm sorry, there was a part of me that never felt like that was right. It never felt comfortable or good to me. And I realized during my healing that the man I called dad was not my biological father. Mm -hmm. So therefore, that gene of the ritual abuse was not actually passed down to me. Mm -hmm. That was why everything was so abhorrent to me. And that was what was empowering to me during my healing. No, this is not of me. And I did not pass anything like that on to my daughter. Mm -hmm. And so I I was really grateful when Source brought that wisdom into my mind during that healing process. Right. And I myself grew up with parents who are, who are, um, did black magic. And I, I go into detail about it in a couple of my books that I've put out uh, last year and early this year. And as a child, I mean, you, you, I mean, you, you, when, when we see good, we see good and we want to do good. And we, when we, there's a feeling that something is not right, we may not know why, but we feel that it's just not right. And then as we get older and understand what, what it was actually going around us, then we can make our own decision based on what we know. And I think it's, I think it's very, it speaks to the person's credit, uh, it speaks to the person's um, will uh, to come out of that and be a positive influence on people instead of going down the same road that their parents or the people that took care of them did. So it's a very good thing that you realize that, hey, this is it's not, this is not about, this is not what I want to do. Yes. At 16, I stood up to the cult members of my family and said, I'm not going to do this anymore. I thought they would kill me for my lack of respect. Mm -hmm. And instead, it turned out that that was why I came into the family was to actually take that action because then the cult fell apart Mm -hmm. and the rituals all stopped. which created for me, in a sense, a bigger problem because they projected a belief onto me that I should suffer for what I had done and I could never suffer enough to please my abusers. And if I did not suffer, I would be punished. And that belief went into my subconscious mind and that actually was the guiding force in my life for almost 50 years where every decision I made was actually governed by I can't be successful. I can't be out. I can't be seen. I'll be hurt if I do and hurt if I don't. (laughs) It was kind of a no win situation. Mm. Now, when, um, when you stood up to the, can you tell us a little bit about your standing up to the cult members? How did your parents react? Did they know that? Yes, they were there. My mother, I don't think my mother understood when she was, dating my dad when they got into that relationship. I don't think she knew what was happening. I think that she was only a participant because of her relationship being in the marriage. She was brought into it. 
so I don't know exactly how willing she was, but she never defended me in any way during any of that. She went along with what everybody else was doing. And I was put into a position where I was kind of singled out as somebody special. To go back a moment to what you were saying, as children, we don't, we resonate with things that are right and things that don't feel good. Mm -hmm. I believe that is the innate source within us mm -hmm. because we are all love. And what was going on in my life and in yours, that's not love to mm -hmm. us. That's, right. It seems very, it's just, mm -hmm. it's just the opposite of love. So I think that's where we get the courage to go through the healing and break away from that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So my mother didn't have the power or the strength to back away from it. And this was back years ago when a woman didn't necessarily have means to take care of herself. If she left her marriage, she could be in big trouble. Mm -hmm. There were three kids in the family, so she couldn't just walk away. So I think she was probably in it, not maybe necessarily willingly, but, not seeing any other choice for herself. Right. So I don't remember exactly the details of what was said other than what I've just shared, what my parents' reactions were, because that's still part of the repressed memories. I don't have all of that back. <laughs> when I was going through the initial stages and realizing I'd been sexually abused, I said to God, I want to remember all this, and I want to remember it now. Well, that didn't happen. It came very slowly. Wow. And then I realized one day, I don't want to remember every single thing that happened to me, and especially the ritual abuse. I don't need to remember all that. So I said, God, just please help me to bring forward those things that I need to recall in order for me to become whole. So there are things that I still don't have recall of because they're just in the subconscious mind and that's okay. They can just be there. <laughs> now, I imagine it's not every day that someone remembers that something tra traumatic happened to them. I, I mean, it really, really can affect a person's emotions. I mean, what was your emotional state like uh, the first time you, you were made aware that you were abused, whether it's sexually and the ritual, what was it like for you? It was really a feeling of, well, that can't possibly have happened. That can't be true. This mm -hmm. is just my imagination making this up. Because so many times when I would say something, my mother would say to me, oh, that's just your imagination. And then once I got really into the healing, I understood she was saying that to deliberately sabotage my thinking and move me away from actually discovering any kind of truth about my life. Mm -hmm. So it was very challenging for me to move beyond my ego saying, well, that can't be true. It's just my imagination. Right. Now you have something that, you know, because of your emotional experience that you call the ABCDs of emotions. And you talk about how they affect our lives. Can you just explain to us so we would know what it is? What, is the, what are the ABCDs of emotions and how do they affect our lives? To me, emotions are really fascinating. The mm -hmm. ABCDs go like this. The A is the activating event. It's something that takes place in our external environment, and we focus on that, or it could be something that's in our internal world where our mind brings up something that we've already thought about or experienced. Mm -hmm. 
And so we then focus on that. So there's, and the activating event, especially if it's external, it's like a camera taking a picture of something. There's no emotion or anything attached to it. It just is what it is. So once that event is there, either in the internal or external environment, then we focus our attention on that and we begin evaluating it. Our ego loves to evaluate, or at least mine does. <laughs> and we then begin running the event through our belief system. It's, it's actually our mental filter. Mm. And that filter is made up about desires, our attitudes, our ideas, our judgments, observations, memories, and especially our expectations and values and also traditions, our own and family. So these things all go into this evaluation of the event. Mm -hmm. And then what happens next is we form a belief about the event. So then we have to ask ourselves, what do we think about the event? What attitude do I have toward it? Is it in alignment with my values? And what am I saying to myself about this event? And then from there, we reach a feeling about it. It's consequential. It's the C, the consequential feeling. And that's based on the activating event. And our beliefs about it. do we feel happy or sad? Are we judging it or how, what's going on? And what does that feel like in our physical body? And then that results in the D, the decisive behavior based on what we are feeling. Sometimes it will cause us to be angry and we act out mm. or we act in, we shut down, and we don't share our feelings. We don't say anything to anyone. Right. So the activating event is neutral. We process it through our belief system. Then we attach emotions to it based on our beliefs. And then we act out behaviors based on the emotions. Okay. That's that's very interesting. <laughs> um, that, you know, that's very interesting. You know, um, I mean, and it's good that you give us an acronym, the ABCDs of emotions and how they affect our, our lives. Now, when, when can, how will the person know, right? Um, I mean, you, you found out that there was something causing you to be unhappy, and then you were giving given memories about past events. But to the person out there who feels that something is off and that they don't know why that they are or feeling the way that they are, how would they be able to access suppressed or repressed information or experiences? My first suggestion would be to ask for help from the higher power, however they perceive that. Right. And once we ask for help, it always comes. And then there, are, there was a book I read about repressed memories, which mm. really helped me to begin moving forward in that direction. And just accepting the fact that maybe there are memories locked in my subconscious mind that I don't have any access to at the moment. One of the things that I did that was very helpful was to write with my non-dominant hand. Mm. And by putting my pen in my left hand, 
I was able to circumvent the ego, which wants to judge and wants us to deny what's actually hidden away. And once I started writing with my left hand, I was able to write down things that were actually in my subconscious mind. So that might be a way to begin tapping into things that are another thing is also with the writing I've read about this just sit down and write whatever comes don't worry about punctuation spelling just sit down and write and let everything just flow and sometimes you'll discover emotions that you're not aware of that way or feelings can come forward from that does that make sense Yes. And, and I just want to, you know, ask for a little bit of elaboration here. Now, how would now a person who may not have any experience in doing this, how would they know, how would they be able to discern whether or not the thoughts that are coming um, through the, in their minds and onto the paper are not ego driven and instead of, uh, you know, something that really happened, how would they, how would they be able to discern the difference? I mean, what would, what would be the telling factor? I would think that one of the things that would be good to ask is, is this thought based on love? Mm -hmm. And what would love say about this? What would love do about this? How would love respond to this? And even more importantly is to trust what's coming, because even if there are some shades of the ego involved, what comes when we are writing mm. is information that's actually within us. It's not coming from some outside source. It's our own experience making itself known. Mm. Very good. Now, what keeps you doing the things that you, what you're doing? I, I know that sometimes it could probably be such an emotional journey and you, we have good days and not so good days, but what, keeps you going and doing the work that you're doing? Probably for me, it's just the drive to be whole. Mm -hmm. Maybe drive isn't the right word, but my quest for wholeness to be everything that I can be and to allow source within me the fullest expression through my life. And when there is unhealed wounding, that interferes, I believe, with the expression of source through us because coming back to emotions, if we are angry all the time, that's not source expressing through us. That's our own ego with its expectations, judgments, etc. And so for me, it's a quest to just be whole and be the outpouring of love here on this planet. You know, when you said... Um you said always angry i just had this this moment a brief flash in my 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 mind here um about people that i know who seem to always always be angry always find something to be angry about every single day and and i see them walking about and just looking so angry and i actually feel bad for them because it must be terrible to just feel angry all the time just be angry and not happy and and if they sat and, and investigated they'd probably find out why they're not happy and be able to heal themselves so that they can be happy 
And I know we all know like one or two or 10 people who we see all the time who always has that, that look on their face that's just angry mm-hmm. all the mm-hmm. time. <laughs> and I mean, and, and they don't want everything they say is just just anger. And, and, they, and, and I know so many people, I've, I've come across so many people like that. And all I've said was, good gracious, they're always angry. They shouldn't be, shouldn't be like that. Life is so much better. But you can't just drag them and show them how to do it because their, their ego, as you mentioned, their ego prevents them from, you know, trying, trying to solve their, their issue and, and get happy and let love in. And that's a tragic thing. That's, that's what happens when ego gets in the way, correct? Yes, that's, I agree with you on that. I believe that's true. Mm-hmm. One of the things that I do when I run into somebody, you can tell by the face, you know, the thing that you're talking about, you can mm-hmm. see that they're not happy or angry or whatever. As I pass by, I offer a smile and, and I ask for the universe to bring energies of healing and wholeness into their energy field. That doesn't mean it will change their life. It doesn't mean they will accept those energies. But at least if I bring that energy, help to bring that energy into their energy field, it is at least an opening for them if they have any kind of will to feel better. That energy can help them in ways that I can't by speaking or, you know, offering my wisdom. They probably wouldn't hear it but they may respond to the energy coming into the energy field. I'm glad you, I'm glad you said that because, for instance, when I go to my son's school early in the morning and I walk him in, in the school building there, I come, I've come across many people who just have a puss on their face all the time. And I, I try to offer, and I offer, because it's just me, I offer a smile, good morning, and a lot of times they don't speak. They just keep going. <laughs> but I'm glad you mentioned um, asking because I don't think about that. To, to, to ask for them, to, to ask, ask to, for healing energy to come in. I mean, I, I'm going to do that actually next time. To, tomorrow, in fact, when I drop my, walk my son into school and those same people that I come across, instead of just saying hi, I will also do that. Because I never think of that, and I, I, I just think of smiling, and then when I don't smile, I say, oh, oh well. But <laughs> Well, even, even a smile can be helpful. It may be affecting the person, even if they're not aware of it, but mm-hmm. I, I agree, it's smiling, certainly, it makes us feel better, even if, yeah. it, <laughs> even if it doesn't have any effect on anyone else. Right. <laughs> so right. uh, one of the things I like to do, too, is set my intention mm. for my own family members. Mm. Setting intention is like laying down, a, I think we've talked about this, laying down a track yeah. for energy to flow in. And I set my intention for my family members to be happy and whole and be safe and experience financial abundance and wellness. And we can do that for everyone if we just... It, we just all get so busy in our lives. And I think sometimes the things that you're talking about here, people are so angry, they appear angry. They are so preoccupied with what's going on in their lives. Mm-hmm. They don't have a sense of the now. That's they're right. either jumping ahead into the future or they're locked into something in the past. Mm-hmm. 
And I noticed this in parking lots. People don't pay any attention in parking lots anymore. They're walking <laughs> and they, they've got a cell phone at their ear or they've just got their mind on something else. And it's, it really is important to be very careful because people aren't paying attention to where their body is, what they're doing. Mm-hmm. We just live in a society where we are just bombarded with so many things at the subconscious level. And then we have our own things. And we're living in a time where those of us who are grounded and seeking to live lives of wholeness and love, we really are needed here, I think. I agree. That old expression, stop and smell the roses. I mean, it was wisdom <laughs> way on our, our ears. It means, it means more than what it says. And, and, and just plain words. Um, yes, that's true. So now, I mean, we'd, lo- we'd love to chat all day, but do you have any upcoming publications, classes, workshops, et cetera, that our listeners can tap into or, or find out about? Actually, no, I don't. I'm kind of in a, a place right now where I'm not doing any planning on that, mm. but hopefully by the beginning of next year, I'll be doing some different things. Right. So how can our, our listeners find out about uh, all your work and purchase your book, etc.? They can log on to my website. It's my name, Aisha Shayal. That's A-I-S-H-A-S-H-A-E-L dot com. And if they want to get in touch, there's a contact page there. Well, Aisha, it was such a pleasure speaking with you again. And I tell you to just keep up the great work. Thank you, Candace. I really appreciate you having me here. And I wish you the same. Thank you. You're welcome.